feels like it's been forever. I mean, yeah, it, kind of has. it has. Yeah. How was your um um geez honeymoon? It was great. We went to Oahu and you know the thing about long vacations is like you start to see how your life could be different. <laughs> and normally on a trip like this, I'd be like, oh, you know, everything's like kind of perfect. Yeah. But then there there was definitely a different vibe. I've been to Maui. Maui feels, I don't know. It felt like when we explored Maui, everywhere we went was like this like cool vibe. The mm-hmm. Oahu, I felt like there's pockets that we explored that felt like you were just a privileged person on a poor island. Oh, and yeah. that kind yeah. of bummed me out. Definitely. Oahu very much has that feel. Like it has some very urban feel to it and very military centric too, there. which is weird and creepy. Mostly creepy because then you think about the history of Hawaii and sure. also Pearl Harbor and both those things kind of bum me out. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Have you been to, you've been to Oahu? Yes. I've never been to Maui, so I don't have any context for that. Oh, Maui's amazing. Even like the poor people I met in Maui, I felt like, it felt like you were in Iowa City where you're like, mm. eh, anyone can kind of live here. And Oahu feels like Des Moines where you're like, some mm. of this is cool and yes. some of this just, you're still in Iowa, you know? Got, I got, I get it. I totally get it. I would agree with that. But the the funny thing to me was on the Pearl Harbor thing that we did, they were like, uh, you know, Navy people are hand selected to do the USS Arizona tour. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, now, is that where they put you like you yeah. come from a prestigious family, but your family, you're like, I don't really want to see combat or do anything, but I like the honorable mention of being affiliated with the military. That's is that it? Like that's the, a, yeah, that's an like interesting the bush one. Spawn. Yeah, I mean that does sound sound. I I get what you're saying now. Uh, because there's a, there's always some jobs like that. Like there's always a military person like at the White House or whatever. And these are like kind of prestigious positions, but like also not super. You don't do anything. Yeah, they're not like super helpful to your career. So like Matthew would never take one of them because he like cares about his career and he wants to move places. So it's it's kind of a weird, it's a weird one. Yeah, it feels like it's something they give like a Rothschild. Yeah, maybe. Like you, you just want the credentials. <laughs> You're fine. You have like money in the bank. You're doing this because one day you might run for yeah, governor. Yeah, yeah. And you could say I was in the Navy. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That was my suspicion. That would be my conspiracy theory of what's going on at <laughs> Pearl Harbor. Welcome to Sex with Ghosts. I'm Bridget, here with my biblical and Hebrew expert, Molly. I I am not that, but uh, I am trying my best. Thank you. Now, 
Have you looked up how to say this word? Yes. Well, I I did listen to some videos. So it is Nephilim. Oh, Nephilim. Okay. I, I'm glad I asked because I realized I did not look up how to say it and I definitely would not have pronounced it that way. Yes. I did watch a few videos to get some words for my section. So I did. I will try right. to correct you if you... Yeah, I was gonna say, you're going to be correcting me a lot today. This also, I feel like we might end up kind of all over the place. Um, yes. Yes. And we are talking about the Bible, which snooze alert but i think it is kind of interesting and one aspect of this we did not cover at all but if you're interested i don't know this future episode the nephilim are also there's a conspiracy that ties them to being actually aliens mm, interesting. um and to engage the listener here so a nephilim is basically they're mentioned in the Hebrew Bible and they're mentioned, I guess that would be the Torah, right? Yep. And they're mentioned in the Old Testament of the Christian Bible, basically as like this group of mysterious beings. Um, a lot of times they're compared to man or humanoids. They were known for having a large size and strength and... They have a strong affiliation with the Great Flood, which we will definitely get into that today. So these creatures, they, the actual word Nephilim is because it's like we're in the Arabic world and the Hebrew world, there's different theories of where this term comes from. It's a lot of times directly translated as giants or to mean the fallen ones, which would come from the Hebrew Nephal which means to fall. It's also, oh, and with the Hebrew version or definition of that, it's because I guess the way they're written about is that men's hearts would fail at the sight of them. So it's causing others to fall, which is why they think that. So there's usage of it in Job 1.15 and the Sabians fell upon them, which in Nephal means to take battle. So there's also this warrior-like nature of the Nephilim, but they also think it could have been derived from the Hebrew word Hela, pardon my pronunciation on this again, which means wondrous. Um, in Aramaic culture, the term Nephilia specifically refers to the constellation of Orion. And so there's like this theory that maybe it, they're descendants of Orion's sem semi-divine descendants, which are of Anakim or from Anak. I'm definitely butchering all of this. So there's this kind of uh, gray area, I guess, of where the term is derived from. Yes. And we have discussed this in our, some of our previous episodes, including the one where we discussed the theory that everyone was on mushrooms because of the translation of a few words in the Bible. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's very difficult to really know exactly what they were talking about, what, exactly what they were referring to. Yeah, we see that in the, like, the Greek and the Roman stuff as well. Yeah, I mean, imperialism <laughs> has really ruined, which is crazy to think about, because I think when I was younger, it felt scientific, like you could trace words back. Yeah, sure, yeah. Through history, but really the interpretation of those words comes from the powers in charge. Yeah. So language, of course, is very biased. Yeah, true. So 
the Nephilim are mentioned in Genesis uh, just before the flood in the account of Genesis 6, 4, which states the Nephilim were on earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God went into the daughters of humans who bore children to them, these were heroes that were of old warriors of renown. So basically, it's like humans started sleeping with these angels. And that's how you get this this new breed of humanoids. Woohoo. So we're talking about angel fucking. Woohoo. Woohoo. And because there was so much angel fucking going on, <laughs> there's, there's been a connection made that this is why the Great Flood happened. Did you know this? No, I had not heard that. So that is news to me, but it is a very fun uh, theory. I'm kind of upset that all my Catholic education <laughs> that we skipped over the angel fucking part. Yep, me too. Me too. You think with all those horny Catholic kids, that's like, that's where the juice is. You should yeah. leave with that. But then you, they just have to be like, but you can't fuck angels. <laughs> then, yeah, like, well, it could be part of their abstinence program. Yeah, I suppose. It's like, if you do this. A flood will come. Yeah. So not yeah. only will you get someone pregnant, but you're also going to die in but a in, flood. In a less happy note, I mean... It does feel like now the fundamentalist Christians who say X was caused by such and such sin, like, man, they may have gotten that from this kind of passage. Oh, yeah. Like everything being caused by like sodomy. Yeah. It's like you guys need to focus more on the angel fucking <laughs> less on the sodomy. I have more questions like anyone can do sodomy. Not yeah. anyone can fuck an angel. That's the truth. Um, and they don't want you to know that, you know, they want you to be afraid of sodomy. <laughs> and so there isn't the the Genesis material on the Nephilim is actually pretty short. There isn't a lot. And according, according to a religion professor at Illinois Westlawn University, Kevin Sullivan, he is quoted as saying it's either a much longer story that got truncated into text or it was so common of a story that the authors of Genesis didn't bother to write down the whole thing. So that's kind of like the mermaids. Yeah, that makes sense to me. When we had talked about the sirens and yeah, what was that called? Oh, Ulysses, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Where it's everyone would have known what you're talking about, so you don't have to describe it. Exactly. And across the ancient Near East and Mediterranean world, there were longstanding myths of gods falling in love with human women. So that's that's already a pretty known concept, right? Like right. Zeus yeah, turning yeah. into a swan somehow impregnating. There's a lot of, I mean, yeah, in Greek culture, that's like all, or no, Greek, not culture, Greek mythology. Yes. Yeah. Greek mythology. Roman, yeah. Roman mythology, all that. Yeah. So like, this isn't just to just, this isn't just a singular Christian. Right. Idea. I mean, I guess we could probably say it's a human, it would be like part of <laughs> Not this is not the right word to say it, but like part of the human condition, like every, whatever we say when like every single civilization has a story about a mirror or whatever, that kind of thing. Well, oh, it's a tale as old yes, as time. It's yes. universal. Universal. Yes. We all want to fuck have, a yeah. supernatural being. Yeah. Saying that out loud, <laughs> it's just like, what the fuck <laughs> am I saying? And these 
figures, these demigod figures, kind of became known as mighty men of old and men of the renown. And basically, the short text is that, according to Sullivan, they're superhuman because of what they represent is something God never designed. They're a hybrid between beings that should have stayed in heaven and beings that should have stayed on earth. And the Nephilim are not divine in the sense that they're heading back to heaven. So they kind of trundle between earth as this weird mix. I just had a thought. Mm -hmm. So like when we talked about the Bible and like many of these kind of, you know, oral tradition story kind of things, we usually see like some sort of exaggeration or whatever. Like later on, we hear that Jesus walked on water or whatever, but maybe it was not something so grand or whatever. Like they, maybe they were just trying to say that he was a really nice guy. I, sorry, I, that, that's not really what I was going for, but hope you get the point. So what if Nephilim are really just like explanations for people from before their time where they were like, oh, this guy was really, really awesome. So like instead they're like, oh, he must have been part of God, partly a God if he did all oh. these awesome things. I was I mean? thinking the super ancient stuff could have been a competing humanoid. Because as we now know, <laughs> there were different sure, types yeah, of humans. That, that makes sense too. Yeah. Yep. But the other thought I had too is that like this could also just be a genetic condition <laughs> of a group of people from like interbreeding that's just like they all had overactive pituitary glands sure yeah yeah and this must be like something supernatural because we don't know about genetics yet yeah i mean that's also a possibility i can see that and so like greatness would be more of like their stature not necessarily great deeds yeah so sometimes the nephilim are also called the watchers and it's kind of thought of as like this rebellious, sinful band of angels. And it comes from the book of Enoch. Is that how you say that? You know what? I don't know that, but I think so. Okay. Which was likely written between 300 and 200 BCE. And there was this group of 200 angels led by the angel Semyaza, which had a plot to take all of these beautiful and comely daughters of men. Interesting. Is it true in in our in your history with the Bible are all angels men? Oh. You know, I was raised that angels didn't have gender. Yeah, okay. Okay. So they're just in, <laughs> but, but still confusing because you Yeah, would, then how Like Gabriel was an angel and yeah. we say him and he for him mm, but then it'd be confusing i mean that was what was confusing growing up is like i was taught god had no gender right. and the angels had no gender yeah but then you're still seeing these pronouns and it's like this is kind of confusing like how could be no gender but we just call it he which just means which i think and my mom if you ask my mom my mom will say god is a woman and so like i think she also kind of Made that awareness, like, I call God, he, uh, you know, and you're like, okay. And it's confusing and it's hard. And the Bible is very poetic and storytelling. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be more compelling to, for mostly binary culture to assign some gender. And if the gender in charge is men, <laughs> you why would, would yeah, God is going to be a man, right? 
Yeah, but it does, I mean, beg the question that, like, are there angels out there also sleeping with men? But since they can't get pregnant, nothing happens. Oh, yeah. And, okay, if they have no gender, how are they really procreating? Yes, that's a good question. <laughs> like, if it doesn't have genitalia, I guess spiritually, this is really off the rails, but I kind of like talking about it. So, like, spiritually... <laughs> If you're having babies with an angel, they would be like transferring energy. Yeah. yeah. Enough energy to your eggs that it causes them to fertilize or like split into zygotes. Very interesting. That's crazy. Wow. I think I just broke my brain. Yeah. Picturing how these Nephilims are born. Um, angel fucking is intense. <laughs> That's like, wasn't that movie Michael about that with John Travolta in the 90s? Uh, I've never, I never saw it. I, I remember it though. Yeah, I never saw it either. And it was actually supposed to be a part two from that uh, Nick Cave movie in the 80s. It was like, it was like this Angels in Berlin. Hmm. Nick Cave was in it and so was Columbo. That movie huh. was awesome. But um, <laughs> anyways, it's kind of about this, about how he wanted to be a fallen angel and okay, hang out with humans. Okay. okay. But the, the, back to the text of Enoch, it states about these angels going after these daughters of men. And they became pregnant and they bear great giants whose height was 3,000 L's, which I guess is basically 3,429 meters. Wow. Who consumed the acquisitions of men, and when men could no longer sustain them, the giants turned against them and devoured mankind. And they began to sin against birds and beasts and reptiles and fish and to devour one another's flesh and drink the blood. This is like some vampire shit. Yeah, that's intense. But people have interpreted these passages to mean several things, including that Fallen angels mated with the daughters of men, creating the Nephilim. Um, others claim that the fallen angels were merely possessed humans before having intercourse, creating, again, uh, Nephilims. So human possession is insane. I mean, insane that one makes a little more hypothesis. sense because of, then it's not so much the angel energy. It's an angel being a using man. Yes. man semen. <laughs> right. But then genetically speaking, when you just have the genetics of yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, I suppose Whereas it's still... if I'm spiritually splitting your egg into zygotes, <laughs> that genetically is definitely going to shake some shit up. Ay, caramba. Um, I mean, let's know what you think. Yes. <laughs> but either way, everyone thinks of these groups as being bullies and tyrants filled, and they filled the world with violence. And this is definitely um, a story that Jehovah Witnesses like to push. Interesting. The uh, fallen angel Jehovah Witness narrative. Did not expect that one. It's also funny to me that like like Jehovah Witnesses are relatively new Christianity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I feel like it's like, how can we set ourselves apart <laughs> from other Christians? You know who's overlooked? The Nephilim. I think we should... Talk about the Nephilim, and that's going to be like our branding. We are the Christians 
the talk about angels. Yes. It's Nephilim, remember? Nephilim. Nephilim. Sorry. <laughs> so there are groups like the Jehovah Witness who literally think that the Nephilim, wait, say it again. Nephilim. Nephilim were wiped out by the Great Flood and then nothing survived, right? Except for Noah. Sure. And that, you know, in the Bible, it's always like, this is great sin. So I think people try to like say it's what these angels were doing. And the word, the watchers basically comes from the Aramaic word, Irian, which means awake. And then the awakened ones basically becoming the watchers. And it was their job as angels before they rebelled. They were supposed to be vigilant and watch over mankind. Oh no. So they, so they wow. That's 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 a sad story there. Yeah. Well, you know, God should have you should let them unionize, you mm, know? Yeah, maybe, maybe. If God wasn't such a and I mean old testament tyrant. Yeah, that's true. They I mean they had a rebel. It's just like now when I was telling you offline about uh domestic assault cases being up. Because oh, no. we don't have enough resources. That's happened to the angels. It's happening again now. Dang it. They're also mentioned in the book Numbers 13. Was it chapter 13, verse 32 through 33? As the Israelites prepared to enter the land of, oh gosh, I didn't even look up how to say any of this. Canaan. Is it Conan? Canaan. So they brought the Israelites an unfavorable report of the land that they had spied out saying, the land that we have gone through as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people we saw in it were of great size. There we saw the Nephilim and the basically the Anakites that come from Nephilim and to ourselves, we seemed like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. And they're also mentioned, or people argue that, I guess, in Ezekiel 32, 27, there's the line, the fallen mighty men. And this is an indirect reference to the Nephilim. And the passage is part of a description of the pit of grave and says, and they do not lie with the fallen warriors of long ago who went down to Shoal with their weapons of war, whose swords were laid out on their heads and whose shields are upon their bones for the terror of the warriors in the land of the living. So there's a lot of ambiguity, I think, across the board. Definitely in the Genesis, in the Enoch. Basically, I think the idea of these guys being giant is definitely tied to their supernatural origin. But the numbers one seems more just like it could just be large men. Yeah. (laughs) Large humanoids. We're living like like literally there. And I think warriors in general are kind of scary thought as like big. Yeah. Yeah. Scary. But I mean, if you're trying to interpret the Bible in some sort of weird, literal, mystical sense, it just makes sense that you're like, no, these are definitely the Nephilim. Mm -hmm. So in 1577, there was a collection of bones found in Switzerland, which was thought to be of a giant and people also uh, thought this was uh, proof of the Nephilim. But in 1786, a German naturalist, Johann Frederick Lumenbach realized that the skeleton was actually part of a mammoth. 
Um, yeah, that's not a human. No. Yeah. And then uh, something similar happened basically in 1705 in, well, oh yeah, in Albany, New York. But then these bones turned out to be a mastodon. Yeah. So it kind of makes you wonder if like maybe some of this ancient writings also just from finding like dinosaur bones. Yeah. I mean, that's also possible because it would be very scary to find a gigantic bone like that and imagine a giant like, human. This looks like a giant human. Yeah. 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 It would have been some upright animal and the bones would look similar to enough to a human bone. Yeah. I mean, really not they that much different. Exactly. Do you want to talk about the Wheel of Giants? Yes, yes. So the Wheel of Giants is a fun connection to the Nephilim as well. And it's a giant stone circle in Israel's Golan Heights, which is close to Syria. Southern name is Ruhu Malhiri, which in Arabic means stone heap of the wild cat. It is made up of more than 40,000 basalt stones, which vary from very small to uh, very heavy, weighing up to 5.5 tons. It's five stone rings with an outer diameter of 150 meters, and it is centered around a raised mound that raises up to seven meters above the plain, but it is pretty um, flat in general. There are spokes that radiate out from the radiate for, out from the middle to divide the circular area into segments, but they're not even. They are intentionally uneven. Okay. This is what it looks like from above. Oh wow. Yeah. So it looks like a crop circle almost. Yeah. Yep. It is pretty cool looking. But it's a mound. But it is a mound. So it's like a reverse crop circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose that's true. It was quote unquote discovered. Obviously, it wasn't discovered, but it was discovered in 1968 by an acclaimed archaeologist, Shamaria Gutman, uh, though another source also says it was discovered the same year by Yitzaki Gall, a local surveyor. But Shamaria Gutman ended up naming it Galgal Harafaim, which means circle of ghosts in Hebrew, but it does refer to the Nephilim. So are they saying the Nephilim built this? Are they saying it was built for the Nephilim? Um, I think they're saying it was built for the Nephilim, but I'll get into that in a okay. little bit. Sure. Because first, um, in 1987, a group of scholars put together the land of Gesher archaeological project and when they were trying to evaluate the area they determined that Ruhu Malhiri is around 5,000 to 6,000 years old so I don't think they could really pinpoint it that much but that's a that's a really really long time ago so it would be the time when the Nephilim maybe would have existed sure it would have been I mean that goes farther back than bible yes yes just some basic theories about what it might have been used for include ancient astronomical observatory because you can see the sun rise at certain points like in Stonehenge. Like there Which are I think in that. Wait, here's my thing about like Stonehenge and this mound. 
when because there's some things some temples and pyramids built where like you do see a very specific astrological happening right it's like okay this this is undeniable like this lines up that's crazy but then there's with like stonehenge it's like a circle of rocks and like this mound it's a circle of rocks so you're like couldn't you argue that it would be inevitable (laughs) you know what i'm saying like you're gonna there's a lot of astrological happenings that you could probably fit into a circle yes but it is they are usually specifically related to solstices. So like that is like a real thing. Do you know? And I don't expect you to know because I don't think either of us are this smart <laughs> or put this together. But do you know what what it is that creates that relationship? Like, is there a mm. specific thing or are we just listening to these guys say, no, it's connected. And we're like, OK, yeah. That's fair. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, ah, yeah, it's I think it's more complicated than than we know for sure. Like, I think that's why old timey people believed in like astrology things, because like it's pretty cool when, you know, the sun comes up right here and it's in between the rocks and wow. So well, like, it's going to also be informative, I think, where like if you're new to agriculture or you're figuring out, oh, if we pay attention yeah, yeah. to these happenings, then we'll know when to plant right, something right. or when yes. to go in for winter or, you know. So I think there are some, it's, there is some important survival measuring from these things. So I could see, yes, thereby creating a religion where you're like, oh, see, the moon is God. Well, yeah, because you've been following the <laughs> moon yeah. and the moon's telling you when to do things just based on observations, then I think it does make sense to create that that then that theological thinking around that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Other theories include uh it being a burial site as a site as a cave was discovered at its center. However, archaeologists discovered bronze age jewelry inside the cave, which indicates that the cave may have been built later after the initial construction of the stones about 2000 to 3000 years ago. So the time of maybe it was just a repurposed structure. Yes. Also that it could be that. But they did find archaeological finds in the center. Like it's um, the Colosseum, you know, for instance, it's like. That used to be a warrior tomb. Sure, yeah, yeah. But then if you went there in the 70s, you would have found like all of this, like just tourist trash. Sure. Throughout it. There's a Dr. Michael Freakman, who is now like the main academic that studies this place. Uh, He was interviewed by I-24 News and believes that This could have been a religious location where those that prayed here believed that it was a place where the dead crossed over into the afterlife. Which, like, what kind of statement is that? (laughs) Was there like circles of salt? Like, where did he get this shit from? That's a good point. That's a good point. (sighs) Part of this uh, might be the idea that 
when you look at it from the ground, it's not so spectacular. And it's really only the aerial view that is so uh, exciting. I always think that's funny, too. It's like, oh, you really need to see above it to get it. You don't really get it. But um, just a just a fun fact. This is doesn't really inform us today. But many people nowadays uh, go to Ruhu Malhiri uh, on the solstice, on the summer solstice, when they can see like the sun and the blah, blah, blah. And they do yoga <laughs> and they meditate. And um, so it is now a kind of a fun new agey like trek for people to go to. Dude, that's what the new ages do. Yeah. The, like when we went to Sedona. And we were like, oh, let's do some hikes. And I'd be like reading about the hikes and it'd be like every article is like, you could do yoga up there. It's like, is that what we do? (laughs) That's what they do. That's what we do now. (laughs) We're going to open up the portal with some yoga. But here's where it connects with the Nephilim. Uh, Rudy Landa, a senior producer and director of the Inspiration Network and uh, company CEO of the Inspiration Network, David Cerullo made a film called Angels and Giants, The Watchers and the Nephilim. And the I did try to find this uh, docu- series documentary. However, it's not available to stream online and it costs $35. So I did not watch it. But I did get some information about what it's about. And, and did you have to buy it? You had to own it? Yeah, like that's a, that's the only way they can. That's the only way. The only place At it is. $35? Yep. Yep. That feels like I've, I've, that's the thing that would piss me off about it. I feel like <laughs> yeah. you'd watch it and you'd be like, this is not $35 <laughs> worth of content. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. In there, in, the, in an interview with the Jerusalem Post, they talk about what it's about and they say, there are theories that claim that Og was bu- buried at Gilgal Rephaim, which is the name that Shmaria Gutman gave to Ruhu Malhiri. Uh, this is important because Og is rumored to be a Nephilim. So it would be that they believe that a Nephilim was buried at this ancient okay, so- stone circle. Basically, someone already gave this like a Nephilim name. Yes. To be coincidental. Yes. And these people were like, what if it was literal? Yes. Yes. And then they devoted their life into the scam. Exactly. Exactly. Wonderful. (laughs) And Og, he exists in the Bible? Yes. So Og uh, exists in the Bible as Og the King. So... Uh, initial detail about the Nephilim was they may uh, have been banished to Mount Hermon, which is in the region known as the Bashan, where Og the king came out against the Israelites at the time of their entrance to the promised land. So this would oh, be, wow. yes, right around, I think, same time as the Book of Enoch stuff. Okay. Oh, wait, no. Same time time as the numbers reference. Okay. So Og is also referenced in Genesis 14.3, which describes a fugitive, Halit, who told Abraham about Lot's capture. 
And in this supposedly somehow referencing this scripture, it says that Jewish tradition teaches that Og was alive in the time of Noah, but he escaped the flood by clinging to the side of the ark. So, damn, dog. This yes. Is, that's some big hands to be <laughs> yeah. holding on to a ship during a fucking flood. And um, Og was also mentioned in Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 11. As the only remaining man from the Rephaim. And the Rephaim is like all, apparently it's like another name of the Nephilim or like somehow related to the Nephilim. Okay. And the reason why we believe that, I guess, is partially because of a uh, estimate of Og's size is made based on a reference to his bed in the, in the, in the Torah, in the Old Testament. It says... His bed was described as nine amet long and four amet wide. Oh, I did have a reference that says the biblical measurement of an amma is literally the length of a forearm, which is 9.2 inches, which would mean that Og's bed was over 14 feet long and over six feet wide. So he had like, I'm not a California king. An Israel king size. Yes, bed. like it's pretty large. So according to Landa, who is the, the film guy, he says that the name Bashan is derived from the proto-Semitic root. Uh, it's, it's complicated. It's the term BTN, which means serpent. And this is relevant because the theory is that the structure was used as an ex carnation chamber where the uh, the body was allowed to decompose so it wasn't just that yes it wasn't just that these giants would have been um buried instead their body is laid out and allowed to decompose with like the the birds and scavengers picking off the flesh and then the bones are later Buried in a serpentine structure of loose stones adjacent to the stone rings. Apparently, this okay, is okay. Like but when you have to find the bones for this theory to work, mm, um, nah, um, I don't know because I didn't see the movie, but I don't, I don't know. Not That's sure. That's why it costs thirty five dollars sure. yes, because they're yes. like, we found the bones, but we can't expose this truth to everyone yes uh landa also says that this dual arrangement circles of stones near a serpentine mound appears in several places around the world where it's known to be used as a necropolis for this form of burial one prehistoric serpentine mound is the serpent mound in ohio oh i didn't know weird shit like that was going on in ohio Uh, apparently that makes sense. Ohio is a little all over the place. Landa is pretty much taking this theory from other scholars that argue that Bashan itself, which is Og's kingdom, is actually a reference to the underworld. And they they give this more of a mythical place and uh, meaning um, so Og, the defeat of Og is really more of a symbolic victory of displacing underworld denizens 
from the land. So when they say they defeated Og, what they really mean is they defeated like death. Oh, like not okay. literally, but like, yeah. And then the humans took over the land. And it seems like because we kind of have this combination of like underworld motif and like idea that this Ruhu Malhiri could have been like the place that people crossed over into the underworld. Oh, then you uh, maybe you can jump leap into why this I I. I think that what they're trying to say is like, that's how some people view it. And then they say, well, it it wasn't actually supernatural. It was just real. That's just the real. That's just the reality of the situation. Is that it's literal or it's poetic? Yes. It does seem like the mound would have a real life purpose of some milk versus like, I don't know, we built this mound so we could cross over to the dead it's a little stargatey yeah i don't i'm not really sure power source for that or something well i like some of it was like i think that so like at i don't know what happened you know five thousand years ago but three thousand years ago it did seem like someone was buried there so that could have been like part of it like they go there to celebrate that or whatever at some point, uh, somebody was buried there. Yeah, yeah. And um, I don't know if this even ma- this doesn't matter, but there are pictures of like the new age people sitting down inside the cave, which is extremely small and like singing, like sitting in a circle and singing. So I don't know if that has anything to do with anything, but that's what they do. And that's what they do now. So yeah, then like another 5,000 years from now, they're going to find like a pair of Lululemon <laughs> right? pants. Yeah. And be like, hmm. it would be like, this is where <laughs> they practice yoga because yoga will still be happening. Uh, so now I kind of go off on a little bit of a tangent here, but there's a little bit more connection to Og's connection to the underworld. There is a 5th century BCE Phoenician tomb inscribed, If anyone seeks to open the sarcophagus and disturb my bones, the Og will seek him out, the strong one, and with all the assembly of the gods. So they're trying to say, oh, Og's like some sort of uh, rule. Ruler of the underworld, kind of like the gatekeeper or whatever. Uh, But in 1979, Professor Frank Moore Cross of Harvard University disputed this reading, denying that it refers to Og at all. He says that the definite article the before Og makes it difficult to transfer, translate the term as a proper name, Og. Instead, he believes it says, if anyone seeks to open the sarcophagus or to disturb my moldering bones, seek him out, oh, the mighty one, and with all the assemblies of God, of the gods. Oh. And even more so, other scholars actually connect the word Bashan instead of to uh, the underworld. It's actually uh, connected to the root world. The root word for flat ground, which has the connotation of an easy area to grow crops. So a fertile area, which actually that would make sense. Yes, it I absolutely mean, unless, does make sense. Okay. Did they ever find bones there? Do you no, know? They did not. At least not as far as I know. So I think 
it would actually, I've been watching a lot of this Homesteaders show. <laughs> Have you seen this at all? No, no. There's this show, it's like on Discovery or something. And basically this guy and his two kids, his kids are adults, millennial adults. And they go to people, homesteaders homes that are like failing. Ah. And they'll like help them garden. They help them like build a house. They might help them build like a barn um, or find water. And the thing is, there's always a gardening segment because you're going to be a homesteader you need to have a garden yeah and they will build these in the ground gardens that will be like insulated and separated for different reasons and so i i'm no uh scientific expert at all this is just me being an armchair scientist i think that this mound is probably just where they gardened and that would give it function that would make it make sense. Sure. It's very interesting. So this Bashan, maybe it's just a garden. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I found this because a professor, Laura Quick, who is a associate professor of the Hebrew Bible at the University of Oxford, does not believe that Og or the Rephaim refer to the living dead or by also the Nephilim. So she believes the Nephilim were a large people, which is fun. They're just like a racist term for people who have some genetic disposition to outgrow the normal size of human. Uh, Because some people, some old scholars try to stretch the size of Og's bed to mean some sort of large tomb. But there really is no um, precedence for that uh, translation. A professor, Alan Millard of the University of Liverpool, has shown that in the Bronze Age, when iron was rare and expensive, it was sometimes used as a decorative overlay. Ox bed is made of iron. I don't remember if I said that before, but um, I don't think so. so yeah, it is in some of the passages uh, when it describes the size. It's also iron. So if Ox bed were an artifact from an ancient time, it would make sense for it to be overlaid with iron. So they are saying that Og was a Nephilim. He had a bed of iron and it was that large. So what they're saying is the Rephaim or the Nephilim lived long ago, but they are now dead. And in the case of Deuteronomy 3, it is exactly this mythic past which is being recalled. The description of Og as the last of the Rephaim then has a temporal effect, placing the characters in the distance past. In Deuteronomy 3, Og is the last of the giant inhabitants of Canaan and not a denizen of the dead. So according to some scholars, he was the last Nephilim. Now, I wonder if being like a Nephilim is like being, what do you call it, uh... When a donkey and a horse mates. Oh, yeah, 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 yep, yep. Are you able to reproduce if you're a Nephilim? No, no. I guess it's no. <laughs> Do you just decide that? <laughs> yes. And does the Nephilim have gender? Mm. Sounds like they were doing a lot of cannibalism. Yes. A lot of blood sucking. Yes. But it really doesn't say... Were they doing sodomies? That is not, that's definitely not part of it. I mean, it could be. We just, we no longer have that part of the book. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yes. How do you feel about the Nephilim? I mean, it's definitely very interesting. And it was very fun to find the article that kind of was like, I mean, I don't think I don't think this professor is trying to say like, yes, they definitely existed. But she was she was definitely doing a good takedown of people who kind of want to attribute a more supernatural assignment to it. Like it doesn't have to be. It could also have been something that just existed. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and a lot of times we've said this before, where it's like supernatural things are really only supernatural because we don't have the science to explain it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then once we have the science to explain it, the magic's gone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we'll one of these days do the alien connection, but you could see how these otherworldly beings are interpreted as aliens. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, I almost brought up the whole like idea that, I mean, it would be exactly the same as pyramids. Like to build this like crazy stone structure, it would have taken like, you know, a really long time and a lot of people or, you know, like extra, like the whole, you know, something of greater skill than the humans have. Right. So that's where a lot, that's where a lot of those like, well, was it a giant race of people who did this or aliens, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like that's like the question. Was it humans or was it aliens? <laughs> like it could be a game show. Yeah, that would be a fun, fun, fun game show. Well, cool. Thank you for going down this little road with me. Yeah. Thanks for finding, finding the information. I did not, I had not heard of this. I'm surprised because I thought it would be a and d thing. Uh, that's a, yeah, it is not. You though. guys don't have angel fuckers? No, no. It's kind of a surprise, really. That's I think that's a missing hole in the market. Yeah, maybe. Well, and it's also possible. I just um, I'm not like the most well-versed person. So it, it definitely could be there that I I've just not reached that part of it yet. Well, yeah. Let us know if we should be creating this <laughs> creature for some uh um, what is it called tabletop rpgs yeah. rpgs let us know if we need to make a mm. tabletop rpg of nephilims nephilims nephilim 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 where can people find you molly you can find me on blue sky at molly m or instagram at molly m 9 how about you you can find me bridget f on blue sky events bridget on instagram you can find this podcast at sex with ghosts underscore on twitter and instagram you can show your support by giving us a five-star review. Um, you can also show further support by going to patreon.com slash sex with ghosts. Awesome. We'll see y'all next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.